Welcome to Death Row. Like we always do about this time. Ha ha ha! I'm gonna fight your fucking ass! You don't got, you're playing touch butt with that dork in the park. Ah, uh, there's a little snake in the grass. Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. No fucking Jesus, people! I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody! Hey, pussy, are you still there? I'm back. Who the fuck is that guy? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. I would like to introduce... Welcome to the MMA for Money Show episode 15. Yes, 245 UFC 245 came and it went. Well, before we even get into all that, because we're going to gush on that for a minute, because a lot of stuff happened, a lot of crazy stuff happened, a lot of violent stuff happened, a lot of surprising stuff happened, I guess, depending the way you look at it. Before we even get to all that, I wanted to welcome any new listeners we have. We know we had a decent bump coming through this event and we're hoping to keep it going afterward with our expansion of the YouTube and all the other stuff that we're trying to present to people. So welcome. And for those of you that have known us just a little bit from Twitter, anything like that, I am MMA state of mind, Bob Voss, your favorite garbage man. And my co-host here is Mike Copenhaver at, at don't cope. Just win. he also main also runs our main Twitter handle where we put out all the info on this podcast, as well as so many other great articles and stuff. And now you also get the added pleasure of seeing Mike in person. So I'm going to kick it to Mike for a second. He can introduce himself. Uh, hey guys, a uh, pleasure to be here with you and uh, chat with Bob about the, this week's fights coming up and last week's event. I hope that you, some of you guys cash some, uh, some bets. Unfortunately, we had a couple ones that didn't f- go so well. Well, and we'll get to that. Absolutely, we will. We're going to kind of run through some of the fights for UFC 245 on the recap a little bit quickly just to be able to get to everything. Uh, Normally, for a lot of fight cards, we do main cards plus some high points on the prelims. But you guys all know how fantastic UFC 245 was that you know what? We previewed every single fight. So it's only fair that we give you the results of every single fight. So... For UFC 245, Panahele Soriano wins in round one via left hook. Jessica I, I, I know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm with everybody, as I said, Jessica I, the exhale and the eye roll that everyone else had, um, won via unanimous decision. Uh, Chase Hooper, with a, with a little bit of sketchiness on the early goings, got a ground and pound finished in the first. Matt Brown won via ground and pound. It was beautiful to see Matt Brown back. Uh, to get that finish in the second round. I mean, we knew it was going to happen, but still, just the way he did it, doing it on the ground the way he did, like showing up the the wrestling improvements he had over the course of his career and hearing uh, Mark Coleman in the background was probably a, a major high point for me. Mike, how, how are you feeling about Matt Brown's finish and any of those previous ones I just mentioned? Oh, Matt Brown uh, put on the performance that you you know you and I both knew he was going to. It's, it's sad, just in the sense that I, I love Ben Saunders just as a person, but I just I don't know what he's doing in there, man. I just he needs to stop. But uh, Matt Brown looked amazing, and it's always awesome to see uh, Mark the Hammer Coleman uh, just in there screaming and shouting. And the next fight, Armari Akhmedov beat uh, Ian Heinish via decision. Uh, Irina Eldana won by first round left hook knockout. Mike, I want to throw this to you because so many people who I heard break down this fight talked about Eldana had good striking, but she was going to get taken down and she was going to get taken to school. And you thought a little bit differently. So I I want you to talk about this fight for a second. Yeah, this is a great fight, man. I, you know, not often do you see women finish a fight and uh, I didn't necessarily call the, the knockout, but I, I had, an eye on Aldana's boxing. I mean, it's super, super crisp. And I guess the aggression of um, Vieira uh, really paid off for uh, Aldana because she was aggressive enough to come forward every time that she ate something. And man, that left hook was was gorgeous. Whether you're a male or female, that the striking that she displayed is just gorgeous. And uh, it's cool to see because she's really ladylike. But and uh, she needs to turn it on a little bit in, in the aggression. Hopefully, this is the fight where she saw that she has that and she could uh, spark it up a little a little bit and get, heighten it. Now Jeff Neal looked utterly fantastic, which we thought he would, especially since. 
we both talked about our excitement of this being his first full fight camp fight. Wasn't working another full-time job, was just completely devoted to this. People thought he'd be able to maybe out, like, just put a hurting on Mike Perry, possibly, but I'm not sure two people saw him putting him out necessarily, because Perry's never been put out by strikes, he's only been submitted before, and Jeff Neal does it in the first round. Uh, if this what a full-time fighter Jeff Neal looks like, I mean, I feel bad for anyone in the latter half of the top 10, and I can't wait to see who he fights next. I mean, Mike, how do you feel... How about how do you feel about that with just him taking out Mike Perry so easily? Well, man, I, I knew he was going to take out Mike Perry. Uh, I didn't have faith in Perry's nose uh, specifically. That wasn't necessarily what won Neil the fight, but uh, Neil displayed some amazing aggression and striking, and it, he displayed exactly what we thought he was going to do. It's just the uh, it's crazy how they just use people like Platinum and Perry to. As as little fish for the, their 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 bigger uh, fish. So uh, Jeff Neal, he's amazing. I can't wait to see um, him continue on, especially now that he's doing it with the full time. I know how important it is for you to be able to train full time and not have to worry about money. Because my I know my brother had those stresses for a long time before he even made it to the Ultimate Fighter. Now, one thing we said probably wouldn't happen was that Peter Yan would finish. Uriah Faber. And we said that because in general, Uriah Faber can, can take a punch. And uh, Peter Jan or Petter, I've honestly, post <laughs> the fight, I've heard it pronounced more ways than I did before the fight. But that's it's like whatever, dude. It's like, that's that's beside the point. Um, he put out Faber in the third round. And we knew he was going to put damage on him. We knew he was going to win. This was, in my and your opinion, a payback for what Uriah Faber did to Ricky Simon and them wanting him to fight some of these young killers at 135, which 40-year-old Uriah Faber just can't do. So Uriah Faber gets put out. Peter Jan gets the finish. And I don't know if they chalk it up to another nasty 135er out there. So eventually someone's going to have to fight for a title, even though I know Suhudo's been out coming out for almost a year now. But I don't know. Someone's got to fight for a title at some point, and... Peter Jan just stamped that he's maybe not next in line, but right there. Uh, now, in the next fight, I had a bet on it. It did lose, but I more want to talk about the controversial decision, split decision, and putting parentheses all over that. Uh, I had Marlon Marais to win inside the distance at plus money versus Jose Aldo, and I explained clearly why I thought that on the podcast. And the main reason I don't think it happened is, and I never thought this would, I would say this about like Aldo or Aldo's camp in well, general. Almost, well, you almost had it in the first round. So. I know, I know. But, and honestly, I think that would have happened if, because forever you heard about uh, Novo Uniao and specifically Aldo's terrible weight cuts. Because even when new weight cutting measures came up, basically these guys just, they did like what uh, Pitbull Elvis used to do. They wouldn't diet the whole. I mean, they would just eat as normal, whole camp, lose a little bit of weight from working out and doing the camp, and then just sweat out like 30 pounds or more and borderline kill themselves. And although they got a little bit better of it at Novo Niao and Aldo, they were still so rough. And that's why they talked about forever him going up to 155. But the sheer discipline that he had to do to legit not only lose the weight, but lose the muscle weight. To get down there, because that's clearly what he did, because uh, he would not have been able to perform that way if he sucked himself down like that. I mean, he was gaunt in the face. He was, but I was expecting to see him look much, much worse on the scale. I mean, other than the sunken in cheeks, he just looked real skinny, not like sickly skinny when the guys cut too much weight that's mainly water, and he was able to perform. So kudos to him. I mean, I still picked, I still fought. Uh, Marlon Marais won. Uh, I had it 3-2 for Marlon. Uh, I see a lot of people saying that's BS and Aldo should have won and should treat it as such and he should fight uh, Cejudo or any of this nonsense. And then Cejudo's making a video with the girls that he rented <laughs> from uh, Colby since he's not using him anymore and no one looks like they want dirty, to be there. Dirty girls too, I bro. Know. Like and, I could get better looking girls for free over here in Malibu. And he's clearly pushing to win that 165 
inaugural title with how much he's packing on weight right now and not training. So whatever weight he comes back at is going to be an issue. Um, I thought Marlon Marias looked good. I mean, uh, he was faster in the early goings, which was clear, and that's what I thought would be the kicker. I mean, no pun intended, because I thought that's what was going to take Aldo out. And like you said, he was close to it, and I was borderline counting my money when that happened too. But uh, he never got a second chance at it, and that's a bit of a confidence issue for Marlon Marias is if he gets you in that spot and he finishes you, great. If he gets you in that spot and he doesn't finish you, he starts to waver as the fight goes. Uh, and that's what happened. But initially, I wasn't worried about that because I thought Aldo would be just as compromised given his hellacious weight cut. But, I mean, again, kudos to the guy. He probably, it looks like he dropped, given his physique at points, 5 to 10 pounds of muscle as well to help him get down. Which, I mean, if that's your choice, that's your choice. It's probably not good for your health long term. Especially given his fight age, which is probably pushing 50 at this point. Um... But I, that's all I want to say on that point. But still, kudos to Jose Aldo. He looked amazing for a dude that used to barely be able to make 45. So, uh, Mike, thoughts on this fight? Uh, it was it was an actually pretty entertaining fight uh, versus some pretty high-level mixed martial artists. I I was pretty scared the, the whole fight after the first round because I just didn't trust the... Uh, the fight in general because Josie Aldo just kept coming man and I I just was hoping he'd gas and he wouldn't but uh, I I thought that Mariah's edged it a little bit with better defense and uh, I know that some people said he's running but I mean Floyd Mayweather made a whole career of running and not getting hit so I mean I don't even know what to say about it anymore I mean it's like you run and don't get hit people say you run I mean you didn't get hit so I mean I don't I mean when is it defense and when is it running uh, I, it's running when Conor McGregor's got his back to Nate Diaz when he's winded as could be. I didn't see Mariah's doing that ever in the fight. I definitely saw him trying to circle out for distance and making sure that he didn't leave himself vulnerable to something stupid. So, say he's running is blah blah. It was still a great fight. I'm still I still think the younger, hungrier, better prospect in the division is Marlon Mariah's. So I was glad to see him win. Well, one last quick thing on that point before I move on. I don't want to drown the whole thing about this fight. That's not even a title fight. But at some point, he was being more defensive because dude just got finished in his last fight. Yeah. So he's just being a little more conservative. But but whatever, whatever. I'll, ta- I'll take that on the chin. I'll, I'll take the loss of the inside the distance, even though I still think he won the decision. And he did win the decision. So we're, we're moving on to the first of three title fights. Okay, sorry. Um, Amanda Nunez... One unanimous decision over Jermaine Deridami. Uh She stuck to a very wrestle-heavy game plan, which I thought was her smartest avenue. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw I see a lot of people that weren't very happy about it. It was her safest way of winning. So I don't know why she wouldn't have yeah, done we it. Call, we called it. We yeah, we, it. We, we we called it, and but we said we said we had a feeling, and some of those were there. There was um, GDR had a couple spots where she was. I mean, oh, it wasn't yeah. like, oh, one more second, she would have finished that submission. Or, oh, one more glancing blow, and that would have been it. But she got some solid shots in and did some good stuff on the ground. I mean, like I said, I didn't think her takedown defense was going to be enough to completely stop the ground. That's why I was hoping that uh, Noons would have decided to play a little bit more on the feet, thinking that she'd be a little bit overconfident with how she beat Cyborg. But yeah, I mean, she, she played a smart game plan. GDR was super impressive, man. I mean, I don't think I've ever, ever been so impressed with her. I think it was the submission uh, attempts that she had locked in. Uh, I, the fact that she is uh, adapting and uh, get, you know making her game more diverse from a striker. But I just, I was just, I came off that fight not more imp- as much impressed with Nunez. I was more impressed with GDR and the fact that she still is coming and has a high ceiling. No, I completely agree. I think a lot of people wrote her off. You could tell by... I was actually really close. I, I did say on the podcast, if she breaks plus 300, I might have to bet her even for like a half a unit. And like day of, uh, it got to just plus 305. And I, I had debated it, but uh, as Mike knows and a few other people know, I was a little bit under the weather. So I'm not even sure if I could have physically typed in what I needed to at that point before I went MIA for like three days. But uh, no, she honestly, she looked great. Um I'm not going to say Amanda Nunes looked bad. She she still looked good. Um, she didn't look ferocious is more what I, what I mean. And all champions hit this level at some point. She just might be hitting it now 
where now she just want to keep wants to keep the wins coming so she becomes a little bit more conservative it's similar to what john jones is doing it's like they know they can beat these people and they're going to beat them at the easy way to win like the most defensive less chance of taking a shot even if it's not necessarily the most aesthetically pleasing and yeah, it's smart it's, it's the gsp it's way yeah it's my it's, this might be the new version of a man noons we're going to deal with until she has a new fight that's going to excite going to excite her and the only way that's going to happen if i don't know someone like aspen lad goes on a finishing spree for the next like two years so we'll see that uh if or when it comes now of all the championship fights the only one that actually surprised me um, was the next one. Uh, for the featherweight strap, Alexander Volkanovsky beat Max Blessed Holloway by unanimous decision. I scored it for him. I'm not going to be delusional and say that I think Max won that fight. I had it 3-2. I've heard people that had it 5-0 for Alexander Volkanovsky, and that I cannot agree with. I'm there for a debate for 4-1. Uh, I had Max 3-2. I just thought that, and I do think Max was coming on stronger uh, in the tail end. Like I said, I gave him the last two. I I don't think, I did not undervalue, underestimate, or anything for Max Holloway. I think I undervalued Alexander Volkanovsky quite a bit uh, with his striking acumen. Um Mainly because with the sheer amount, I'm not sure if I said it in the podcast or not, but with the volume that Max does, he kind of makes your game plan melt away. And since we're so used to seeing that, and I thought that's what he was going to do to Volkanovski, I'm like, Volkanovski's going to have the right game plan. Volkanovski's probably going to win early. But that volume get put on you, your game plan goes out the window, and then you just try to go for it. Volkanovski kept to that game plan for five rounds. That's just impressive, man, while getting landed on by Max. So, I don't know, super depressing kind of a fight because if you've listened to this fight for any, this podcast for any stretch of time, you know we're huge Max Holloway fans. We always will be. He's still young. He's not going anywhere. He's still got plenty of fights. But, man, this one was a bummer. Uh, bet aside, this was, this, was a, this was a real bummer. But also, I mean, super cool with the fact that Volkanovski looks so amazing and I like I can't wait to see fights of him going forward but man super let down uh for me and this whole show <laughs> so on that sour note I'll, I'll pass it to Mike while I try to recoup my feelings yeah man it, I, I don't know I normally get upset about losing a bet but I I don't know if I was more upset about losing it or just watching Max Holloway lose I you know everyone knows I'm just a huge Max Holloway fan or anyone that fights from the islands it it just was weird to see him not be able to implement his game plan for, his, for those kicks to be implemented so well on Volkanovski's half that I just never imagined uh, even as a possibility. I was I was I guess I just under undervalued uh, Volkanovski a lot, but uh, like I am, I'm a loyal person to my friends to my family, and I am just just as loyal to Max. I guess I got blinded a little bit by that. And, but I was going to sink with uh, the blessed Holloway ship or I was going to ride with it. And I did that exactly. Uh, it sucks, man. But uh, I just I'll try to leave emotions out of it next time. I, I just I really thought that Max was the better fighter because of the volume and the cardio for five rounds. Yes, he was picking it up at the end. And I thought being more dominant towards the end. But he, he came up short and Volkanovski looked amazing. And I, I, I just can't wait to see a rematch so that I could see if uh, Max turns it on a little more. Because he looked just hesitant and he didn't quite look himself. No, I agree there. I'd like to see a rematch. I, on, I honestly hope they don't do an immediate rematch. Because I don't think between this fight and a fast turnaround, he can make the necessary um, changes to his game to to make sure he wins. But like in like one or two more fights, absolutely. Then that's more just because I want him to win the rematch more than like what he could do. Could he do it? Possibly. But in one or two fights, I think he would have it more nailed down and have a better shot. And what you were saying with riding the the bus train. Had me thinking in in betting, in UFC, and maybe all that stuff, especially when it comes to fighting. There's these narratives that we fall in line to. And you kind of have to because you need to, re since you're talking about an individual fighter, individual fighters, and not an entire team, 
you have to lean into these narratives sometime because you don't see every aspect of training of these guys or things they're into. And I'm going to give a, a, a more of an explanation of that. And it, it references this fight and actually one we, we just talked about not that long ago. So one of the reasons I downplayed Volkanovski, and I said it on the last podcast, was his two most notable wins were Chad Mendez, who was coming back from two-year USADA suspension. Quick win over Mike, uh, a jury, but still, two-year USADA suspension, where he beat him handily. Then he went against Jose Aldo, who he beat handily, who hadn't beat too many names since losing to Holloway. So I had in the back of my head that Aldo is washed, not washed in like he's not a fighter, but like against the elite of the division. So when he beat him, to me, it just showed me, okay, well, he beat a not prime Jose Aldo. But then you see Jose Jose Aldo drop down to 135 and come a few strikes away from beating one of the top guys in the lower division. So I definitely watered down that win with the thought that he just beat a not-so-good Jose Aldo versus, man, he beat a really good Jose Aldo and gave him, like, the proper due. I still would have gone with Max, but I think that gave me a little bit more push than I would have normally had. And we all do these narratives for a lot of these fights because if you're right, that's how you get edges in some of these fights, especially when the odds are off. And I wouldn't necessarily those odds were off, but whatever. So, uh, moving on to the the main, the main, main, main event. This is our three title fights. Kamara Usman won via TKO, like broken jaw and follow-up punches, even though the broken jaw happened a little bit earlier, uh, in round five. There's 50 seconds remaining. Um, Mike, I'll let you go with this one first, and I'll back clean up. So, how do you feel about this main, main event? I thought this was one of the best main event fights that I've seen in a long time. I uh, I knew it was going to be a great fight, but I, I didn't necessarily expect it to to be a striking war for the whole entire time. I was super impressed with not only just Usman, but I was super impressed with Colby. Um, I was col- impressed with him and his determination, even when he got his job broken after the third round. The fact that, I mean, most most people would just quit and uh, they can't bear the pain, let alone get hit in it for two more rounds by the champion of the world. So I, uh, I just the heart that he has is just, just amazing. But uh, Kamaru Usman uh, performed amazingly himself. He overcame uh, all the stress that comes with being the champion and all the hatred that was going back and forth between Colby. Even though a lot of that, I, I, most of that is all makeshift, uh, just garbage, just made up for hype. Uh, Colby's nothing of the sort of the person that he makes himself to be. Just like my brother wasn't wasn't War Machine. You know, he was John Copenhaver, and then they made him out to be something else because so that he could hype fights, get a name and a following. And then my brother took it farther than he should have, uh, being an idiot. So uh, the fact that the fight, the fact that Colby runs his mouth so much, kind of took away from the fact that we saw such an amazing Walter Wade performance. To me, it was one of the best uh, MMA fights that I've seen in a long time between two very evenly matched people. To me, the uh, Colby was winning that fight, and I thought if he could survive that last round, that he possibly would have won uh, the belt, and it would have been just awesome for the controversy. But uh, uh, good for Kamara Usman, and I'm glad that uh, we just have people who really want to be a good role models for our kids, and Usman is that, so I, I can't hate on any of that. Yeah, I had it um, even going into that final round. And honestly, the broken jaw starts to make sense uh, when you look at it, the whole scope of the fight on when it happened. I didn't necessarily expect there was going to be much wrestling. I did think there was going to be some, at least attempts, just to kind of feel out the waters, more just to have the threat out there than anything. But basically, the fight went... I mean, we didn't have a bet on this fight. We didn't. Um... I think in the end, pretty sure... Did we both pick Colby in the end? Or was it just me? We, did we both pick him? We we picked Colby because so many people were just discounting the fact that he was a good fighter. Yeah. But if you go back to just our other the other podcasts and the times we've talked about Usman, um, we, we had Usman's back in the sense that I just... We thought that he was a great fighter, a little bit bigger, stronger. I think we can go back and credit uh, Ash MMA, one of our old buddies, uh, who also liked Usman a lot too. 
but as you see everyone swaying and hating on Colby, it's just it's so hard to wonder if you're being swayed by the hatred and going on Usman for that or or what you know. So I, it just was a great fight, and I'm glad that we just we both kind of knew that it was going to be evenly matched. Well, and that's like I, I I know I ended up picking Colby, but I wasn't sure if we both did uh, going back. But it's it's because what showed in this fight, it's like I, he. This we said at the end of the. Po- I know for a fact I said at the end of the podcast that this should be a pick 'em fight, and we have one of these fighters that's like plus one seventy, plus one eighty. It was a ridiculous number in my opinion, especially when I'm not saying if he wouldn't have got his job broken, he would have won, and that was a foregone conclusion. I'm not saying that because Usman was hitting with the harder punches; those still would have added up over time. We still don't know what the fifth round would have looked like, and going by the judges' scorecards. Uh, if I recall, the judges had it uh, 3-1 either side and 2-2. Two two. So if that last round was still clear Usman, no matter what, it's like he would have lost a split decision. So, but maybe he would have been able to come on stronger in the fifth. I, I don't know. But uh, I know why I picked him because I've talked about my love for uh, volume strikers. Uh, especially when they'll put it on you and they could do it for all five. It's like that's a pretty safe bet a lot of times. And he showed it early on. But, I mean, big kudos to Usman. Um, I mean, normally I would say, what do you see next for both fighters? But, I mean, I know uh, Broken Jaw, that's like at least a six-month heel, so we'll table the Colby thing. Um, and Usman, I'm not, honestly, at 170, I'm not sure who there is for him to fight right now, only because... I think there's like at least three other fights that are bigger for Jorge Masvidal. And I don't know. Usman doesn't seem like someone that like fights super frequently. So I don't know. I guess who, what other welterweight other than Jorge Masvidal, just because I'm not sure it's going to happen. You, would you like to see Usman fight next for the title? I mean, if George Gamebred Masvidal doesn't want to fight for the title, which he deserves and wants to wait for a bigger payday and wants to give it to someone else, the only person that I would give it to that I, I really don't like the fighter. I think he's just runs his mouth too much, especially to the OGs. And that's uh, Leon Edwards. But I think Leon Edwards is a great fighter and uh, it would be still a, a entertaining fight. No, well, I agree. And actually I think uh, given that Usman is the last one to defeat Leon Edwards before Leon Edwards went on this run, I think he'd be able to beat him again and beat him quicker and, like actually have a uh, highlight finish. So that, that actually might be a good thing. So we're going to move on from UC 245. I know it was a great event, but we do have to move on to South Korea. We're going to Busan. I'm actually pretty sure I pronounced that one right. So UFC Busan takes place this Saturday. Be forewarned, it's an ESPN Plus card. So it's getting played in the time zone of where it's at. So last I checked... The prelims start Pacific time at, I believe, it's either 2 or 4 a.m. So Yeah, it's probably in, 2 a.m. It's garbage. Yeah. So enjoy that. Um, or you can watch it later on ESPN Plus or wake up just for the main, look, the top like three fights for sure, maybe more, and then watch the rest later. Take it in as you please. That's the best thing about streaming services. Don't let anyone tell you different. <laughs> just don't. Just don't go on Twitter or Facebook. Otherwise, you're gonna get wrecked with news. Well, ex- exactly. Yeah, you got. You got to have some protocols. It's like if, because I I rarely watch fights live. Um, if you don't know that, I'm sorry if that's a shocker. I, I don't watch one <laughs> fights live. Um, He's got a family. I, I do, but uh, I watch his probably up through the early prelims night of, maybe a little bit later depending, and then usually either. Sunday afternoon or at absolute latest Monday uh, afternoon. I've by then caught up. So, but by all means, watch it as your own discretion. You don't have to watch everything live. It's okay. It took me a long time to learn that. I used to have to watch every fight live. And if I didn't watch it live, I wouldn't watch it. And I would freak out. There's too many fights to do that nowadays for anyone that has a life. So you don't have to watch every single fight live. It's okay. But whatever. South Korea. Busan, UFC, Alexander Pantoja, who's coming off uh, his loss to uh, uh, Davison Figueredo in like a battle of who's next at flyweight, like who's the next thing. And this was back when flyweight, we weren't sure if it was a thing, but they were battling to find out if it was and who that thing was. And 
Alexander Pendoja lost. But uh, he's a super slick grappler. He was on that uh, flyweight season of tough. Along with mo- most of this generation's flyweights, honestly. Uh, he's a minus 220 favorite over Matt Chanel, who's plus 180. He's on a four-fight win streak, which does sound great. Uh, but that's after his first two UFC fights being loss- uh, losses. If you remember, uh, his claim to fame, his two claim to fames were he was on that MTV show Caged. That weird reality TV show following Louisiana fighters from Dustin Poirier's neck of the woods. And he was one of the last fighters uh, sponsored by Tito Ortiz's Punishment Athletics. So, random news and notes. Uh, <laughs> I actually really like Matt Chanel in general. I think he is making major leaps and bounds. This plus 180 is super tempting. Pantoja is just a little bit too slick on the ground. And I think he might catch Chanel's neck at some point in the fight. Uh... Chanel might even be up at that point. I don't know. I'm still not turned off on Pantoja enough to bet against him, even though my initial lean was Chanel. Mike, how do you feel about this flyweight fight? Uh, this is definitely going to be a great fight. These guys are both super scrambly, and the jiu-jitsu is really good. So I, I'm having a tough time picking between the two. Pantoja has the better jiu-jitsu, so I, I, I tend to want to side with him. But Matt Schnell, as an American, I just I, he's got great jujitsu too, and he's he's pretty ferocious. So, man, it's 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 so tough. I, I if, since it's that tough, I would have to go with the Dogger Pass, and uh, Matt Schnell for that money is pretty ripe. So I would go with Matt Schnell. In the next fight, we're gonna break down Cyril Gane, the gigantic, athletic, kickboxing Frenchman who at times in the past at least a couple times, has trained with Francis Ngannou, who has all of a sudden developed a sub game because he's so crazy athletic and has been subbing heavyweights in the latter stages of the third round, is fighting uh, Tanner Bozer. Oh, sorry. Cyril Ghana is my 750 favorite. Yes, my 750 favorite. First, Tanner Bozer plus 525. He is the Canadian heavyweight decision machine who has pretty good hands and will outlast you which for a heavyweight can be a very good thing. But when you start getting against these higher echelon heavyweights that have a little bit of cardio and hit a whole bunch harder, they're going to pull it off. I actually think Ghana is going to get the finish here. Uh, Bozer's only been knocked out once in his career. It was by Tim Haig in like six seconds in his first like six or seven fights. But just I think Ghana's power is a little bit different, and he's going to know that after he starts feeling it. Uh, Mike, how do you feel about this heavyweight fight? Um, I think that Cyril Gaon is a f- real freak athlete and just human being. I wouldn't want to get hit by him, not anywhere at any time. So I, I would go with Gagne by devastation by one of his right hands. I think he has like an eight-inch reach advantage over the other guy. So I, I would just go with Gagne to make a name for himself. Okay. Kyung Ho Kang. Is currently five and two in the UFC. He's basically that fighter that every time they're in remotely in the area, he's on the fight card. Uh, he is a former Road FC champion. His, if I wrote that down right, his nickname is Mr. Perfect. It's just a wonderful nickname. Uh, he's minus two fifty favorite over Lu Pingwan. Uh, plus 210 he's two and one in the ufc he was in one of that initial crop well not initial per crop pullovers but the most recent crop pullover of uh, chinese fighters into the ufc uh, as they try to expand into their um early heavy lean for me on kiai hong kang just because i have more experience watching him i know that he is ufc caliber even sometimes the regional ufc caliber is different than even regular UFC caliber, even though regular UFC caliber doesn't mean what regular UFC caliber used to mean, but he could stick around and he could beat people. Uh, he's got a well-rounded enough uh, skill set to give most anybody fits. And I think he's going to do that to Ping Wan. Mike, how do you feel about this one? I think that this is going to be an exciting matchup between two really uh, exciting Asian strikers. Both of them really do... Uh, have have some amazing skill sets. I think that Lou is a little bit more aggressive and uh, can be dangerous at at times. But Kang's uh, striking is more proficient, and he's definitely has a little bit superior striking and more crisp. 
So I, I would go with Kang on this one, and I think that he he definitely is. They're just gonna make a name for him over there in Korea. Uh, why not? While you're there, they call Mister Perfect. So why not just uh, keep him going over there and keep him hungry? Uh, in the next fight, Jun Young Park is plus one hundred five underdog. Uh, he has one UFC fight, and it was a loss to. Anthony Hernandez. Sorry, I knew I wrote that down wrong. I had a different Hernandez written down, but he lost to the fluffy one. Um, <laughs> he uh, He's the underdog against Mark andre Baralt, uh, Canadian, uh, if you notice my terrible French pronunciation in that name. Uh, he is 0-2 in the UFC, but those are against the likes of Andrew Sanchez and Christoph Jatko. Uh, Jatko. So he has better losses. I mean, there's still losses, but they're to, like, more names. So, um, as sad as that sounds, it's it's not one of the reasons I like him, but I think he held up better against those two UFC middleweights than how uh, Park did against the lone one that he fought against. So, if I had to pick, it's going to be Brault, but definitely no bet on this fight. How about you, Mike? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know too much about him like in depth, depth, but I would definitely think that Mark Andre has a little bit more MMA experience versus the higher caliber athletes. He should have learned enough to be able to take this guy out over there. Now, we're finally to a bet on this card. I know you probably all assumed it was only going to be one and super high on the card because, well, frankly, that's the guys with the most UFC fights and the guys we have most knowledge about. But you know what? Sometimes you get gems earlier on the fight card. Daun Young is a plus 105 underdog versus Mike Rodriguez, who's minus 125. Uh, Dong Hyun Young, this is, I apologize, whoever I'm offending by most of this. Um, <laughs> he has one win in the UFC over Kadis Ibrahimov, which was the guy that Ed Herman just beat via decision. At 205, yeah, slow Ed Herman, who's still pulling it off as a veteran. Uh, but when uh, Jung fought him, sorry, I keep missing the pronunciations. It's Jung for Korean, so I apologize, but Jung, um, he actually got a standing guillotine choke in the third round versus Cadiz, which is impressive. Um, I think he's incredibly undersized for 205. Uh, Jung, not Cadiz. And Given reach and striking acumen, I'm just going Mike Rodriguez in a big way. Um, I think last I checked, it's a 6-inch reach advantage for Mike Rodriguez, plus superior striking, some serious power. And yes, I know what you're all thinking. Could he just take Mike Rodriguez down over and over again and win a decision like Devin Clark did? You know what? No. Because Mike has actually gotten better at his takedown defense. His only next loss was to someone who eventually popped for all the steroids. So, <laughs> uh, and against Adam Milstead, another wrestler, he ended up finishing him. Yes, it was in the first round, but he did show uh, better takedown defense at the time. And given the size disparity and athleticism, speed, and just a cavalcade of different things that are check marks on Mike Rodriguez's side, has me signing with Mike Rodriguez in a big way. He is currently minus 125. We have a bet on him to win two units. So that's Mike Rodriguez at minus 125 to win two units. Mike, how are you feeling about this fight? Are you as jazzed about Mike Rodriguez as I am? Yeah, I like Mike, Mike Rodriguez a lot. I think that his length and his clinch and knees are super devastating. I think that uh, Jung is going, he wants to strike too, and so he's going to want to come forward, and he should come right up against Rodriguez and into the clinch and be able to eat some some vicious knee or some kind of elbow. I, I just think that this is a, a just a mismatch. I would take the American all day over the other dude, and I, I, that's why we're going to lay down these units and we're going to get this money. All right, didn't unmute for a reason. In the next fight, Charles Air Jordan. Do you see what he did there? I don't know. I, I kind of enjoy it. Those are the dad jokes in me that I, I love the wordplay. Uh, he is a plus 245 underdog versus Duho Choi, who's minus 290. Yes, that Duho Choi, who is finally back from his mandatory, mandatory Korean military service. The person that looks like a K-pop star 
but will beat you to a slow burning death is finally <laughs> back. Uh, the Korean Superboy. Uh, we have all missed him. Uh, on the Jordan side, he's coming off a loss to Des Green. Yes, that Des Green, who's probably going to be going away for a long, long time after a devastating car accident and multiple fights later. Uh, sorry, that's a side point. Um, that was his UFC debut. Uh, one thing that I noticed looking into this fight a little bit is any name that Jordan has ever fought. This is on the on the Canadian circuit, any like pseudo name on the Canadian circuit, or coming to the UFC fighting against Des Green, he's lost. He's lost a decision, or he even got uh, subbed earlier on. Well, that was more amateurs, but either way, I don't think he's this caliber. I think they are really trying to give Duho Choi a softball in his return. Uh, I mean, the odds indicate that huge as well. Um, and obviously, we all want to see vintage Duho Choi back. I mean, he was a sight to see. It was beyond impressive. He was super violent. And then he went up against an upper echelon and couldn't quite get it there. I'm going to pick Duho Choi because I don't know how you can't. But I would stay away from a bet. Not just because it's minus 290, but... He's been out of the cage for two years. So, big asterisk there. But I'm excited to have him back, and I hope he comes back and shows vintage violence fashion that he can do. So, Mike, how do you feel about Air versus the Korean Superboy? I I really like the Korean Superboy. I think that after being over in the military for two years, that he's going to come back super disciplined and uh, super healthy and strong. I mean, I, I don't know how their military is, but I know that our military over here in the USA, they're the strongest, the, the men and women that you could ever ever make. And they hump all day with 100-pound-plus packs on their back. And I just see that being uh, just the motivation for him to come back here and to make a name of, uh, for himself again versus Charles Jordan. I, I don't even, I never even heard of this guy until this event. And I just think that uh, this is a perfect opportunity for them to throw a little fluff ball up for Duho Choi. I think Duho Choi uh, knocks this guy out pretty fast. Yeah, sorry, I had to double check on the next one. Yes, in our co-main event for UFC Busan. Volkan Ozdemir, no time, is plus 130 against surging light heavyweight prospect Alexander Rakic, who's minus 150. Volkan, the one-time title contender, is coming off a win over my boy, Erlo Latifi, which is sad, but hey. Um, I'm surprised they made that fight because I just want to quick give a little uh, clear on that fight. So he was supposed to fight Erlo Latifi, twice over the span of a few months and it got rebooked that many times and then it got pushed so i don't know those kind of situations always just make me laugh but either way he finished him because he's got some serious power and i hate to say it but latifi can't handle the big brutal power now he's going up to heavyweight which makes me sad but before we linger on that <laughs> too long before that dominic reyes had a split decision loss to sorry Ozdemir had a specific loss to Dominic Reyes, which many people thought that he won uh, at the time I did as well. I haven't gone back and rewatched it and probably won't until Dominic Reyes is about to fight for the title. Uh, <laughs> he also lost by Rear in the third round to Anthony Smith in a fight he was winning the entirety of. And his first, uh, his first loss in the UFC before that was to Daniel Cormier. So his big streak happened before that. So... He's been hot and cold to an extreme degree. Um, seems to be winning fights till he loses them. Really, the only one that he was actually dominated one was against Daniel Cormier, and now he's fighting against Alexander Rakic. Now, Alexander Rakic is one of the few 205ers that people have been super high on recently. Johnny Walker has since faltered. Dominic Reyes is fighting for the title, and here we have Alexander Rakic. Now, Alexander Rakic is 4-0 four, four in the UFC. Ugh. Sorry, <clears throat> excuse me. The last two coming by, first round finish. One over Jimmy Manoa, which has got people talking, even though Jimmy Manoa is not what Jimmy, Wan Jimmy Manoa once, wasn't, yeah, once was. Sorry, tongue-tied. Not too many big names on it besides that. I mean, he beat Devin Clark. We talked about Devin Clark a little bit earlier on, being a decent wrestler. Um... People want Alexander Rakic to be a thing. Mike, do you think Alexander Rakic is a thing? 
Uh, I think so. I, just because of his, di- his diverse striking, he throws really, really good kicks. And anytime you got someone throws hands and kicks versus someone, I, I don't even know if no time can throw a kick. Or I, don't, I don't really know about a high kick, but I could be wrong. But I just I think that Rachek is is the real deal. I think that he's younger. He's gonna he's got the higher ceiling. I really believe he's the man, and he's gonna come in here and show no time. It's his time. Yeah, I don't know where I sit on this fight because I've perpetually got Ozdemir fights wrong. Like going back to when he beat OSP, I've been getting Ozdemir fights wrong. He's one of the fighters that's on my list of I don't bet because I don't see them clearly. So uh, there, that's Mike's take on it. Fantastic take. I'm not going to say anything on it because I don't want to jinx any of you people with my horrible Ozdemir takes. The best Ozdemir take I ever have is whenever he fights, I usually post a gif or a picture of Ivan Ooze from the uh, Money Morphin Power Ranger movie that came out in the 90s. That's my closest thing I do to help you guys out, but that's not much help for this fight. So moving on to the main event Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie, is fighting in South Korea. In the last UFC event of the year, he is currently a minus 180 favorite against Frankie the Answer Egger at plus 158. Frankie Egger was about to drop the bantamweight, which is a move that many of us, many of in his camp and many other people, wanted him to do probably three years ago. About a year, about two years after he dropped down to 45, which happened about three years after people wanted him to drop to featherweight. So he has delayed the dropping when it's gotten brought up of all the weight classes, mainly because when he was first in the UFC, they weren't there. And then when they came, he was doing too well. Um, I'm sorry. I always just do the what if game in UFC stuff for if certain things would have happened. And man, if Edgar would have dropped to his natural weight of either 45 or 50, like professionally like 35 in his prime, I would have loved to see prime Frankie Edgar at 35 versus prime Dominic Cruz at 35 because they're for Edgar's a little bit older, but they will they would have been like within like two years of each other at that weight. That was just one of those fantasy matchups I never got to see, but only about a month before Edgar is supposed to fight uh, Sandhagen, who you've always been high on. I'm a little bit later coming to it, but now I'm equally as high on. At bantamweight, he's stepping in short notice, now back up to 45, although it's not really a jump up because he was probably just in the midst of dieting to 135, so there won't be any weight cutting, it'll just be the dieting he was doing for the most part. Steps in for uh, Ortega, who's injured and out for another undisclosed amount of time, and against Korean Zombie. This this is a rough fight because anyone out there that knows knows that people we're connected to and we were we're big fans of the Edgar family and Frankie Edgar and all those things and I don't think this was a safe go. I mean I don't think the Sandhagen fight's a safe go, but then to decide to take one last go at forty five and it against Zombie who's just you don't come out of a zombie fight without getting hurt. You don't. So Frankie Edgar is going to get hurt and he's coming off the Holloway fight where he got hit a whole bunch and I don't know, I, I just do not see it ending well for Frankie Edgar. Um, very high on a Korean zombie right here. Uh, he does have holes in his game. Most all fighters do, but the holes that he has are not things that Frankie can get him on. Frankie is not the circle out, make him pay. He's not the stifle him against the cage, stop his volume, clinch fight, a lot of body shots. He can do those things, but like not to like someone like Korean Zombie. Like just the the, the framing, the, the 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 strengths they don't match up that way. So big on Korean Zombie here. And before I ramble for too long, I'm gonna throw it to Mike because. Mike has some things to say. Yeah, I'm a bit high on the Korean zombie here. I I love uh, Frankie Edgar, man, and his family. And uh, no disrespect, but I uh, I just think that the Korean zombie is just younger, bigger, longer, stronger. 
I mean, the only thing that Frankie has is is really good wrestling, so he better implement that thing for five rounds, and that better it it just he better not get hit too many times, man, because uh, Korean Zombie has uh, some really good submissions. He's got great knockout ability. I mean, the only reason he got knocked out last second from uh, uh, Yair is because Yair's so crazy and throws you know some random spinning up elbow. So I, I just think that this is a bad spot for Frankie. I'm going to put uh, 1.9 units down on the Korean Zombie to do his thing over there in Korea and uh, show those fans uh, what the Korean Zombie can do. Sorry about that. Uh, what sports book do you use, Mike? Bovada. Oh, okay. That's fine. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm at best fight odds. So um, for most everybody else other than Bovada and Bet365, uh, he's minus 180. I mean, it's close, but so we'll give it out at uh, 1.9 because that's what Mike got it at. Sorry, I just got to make a minor edit. I had it written down the wrong way. Don't want to do that. So kind of on the short side for the Korea card, but you know what? When compared to 245, it's a lot less, <laughs> but it's still going to be enjoyable. So thanks again for coming in and listening in. Uh, just to review, we have a Mike Rodriguez bet to win two units at minus 125 and a Korean zombie bet to win one unit at minus 190. Okay. Now with that being said, let's roll.